You. Yes, you. You are a bigot. Are you a straight man who only wants to have sex with women? Are you a gay man who only wants to have sex with men? Are you a bisexual man who wants to have sex with people of both sexes, but only if they're good looking? Are you asexual? You're a bigot. According to Samantha Allen of the Daily Beast, it is, quote, deeply disappointing but unsurprising that under 20% of Americans in a recent survey said they would be open to having sex with a transgender person. That's because, she says, quote, cultural acceptance has tended to lag behind formal recognition. It turns out that according to the left, all sexual behavior is malleable and based largely on social structures that have been implemented by the patriarchy. Men and women don't exist, but for their self-perception. We know that a man can be a woman, and a woman can be a man regardless of biology. That's why Caitlyn Jenner isn't just a man with a mental disorder and some plastic surgery and hormone injections. Caitlyn Jenner is as much of a woman as Michelle Obama. The left reasons that if a man can be a woman, then a man who only wants to have sex with biological women must be a bigot. His desires have been wrongly defined by a society that restricted the definition of womanhood to, you know, like women. If only men had been exposed to the deeper truth of gender early, if only they'd known that some women have male genitalia, then perhaps they'd be willing to have sex with biological men who are actually women. The same holds true with regard to homosexuals, of course. If a woman is a lesbian, it's discriminatory of her to not want to have sex with a man who identifies as a woman. Her desires have also been shaped by her environment, and her environment has drawn a stark but wrong, oh, ever so wrong, contrast between biological men and biological women. If all of this sounds insane, that's because it's totally crazy. Straight men are attracted to women, not men who identify as women. Straight women are attracted to biological men. As a general rule, homosexuals are attracted to members of the same biological sex. Attempting to pretend away reality does not change that reality. But the left is plagued by two myths that lie in direct opposition to one another. The first, all human behavior can be changed by changing society at large. The second, all human behavior is innate and unchanging. Under the first myth, if we just train people that men and women are the same and that even their genitals don't provide a meaningful difference, men will begin having sex with transgender women and women will begin having sex with transgender men. Under the second myth, however, transgender identity itself is immutable and unchanging, as is homosexuality and heterosexuality. This provides an unanswerable conundrum for transgender advocates. How can they get people to accept transgender people sexually when people's sexuality is supposedly unchanging? So the left merely ignores the problem and papers it over with the word bigot. Reality isn't bigotry. People are attracted to people they're attracted to. There is a biological component to that, as well as a cultural component. But ignoring biology in favor of culture is idiotic, and ignoring culture in favor of biology is ignorant. They both play a part. The suggestion that discriminatory nastiness is at the root of perfectly logical biological desire for people to have sex with members of the opposite biological sex is merely a slur, a crutch to cover up the illogic of the far left when it comes to both gender and sex. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, lots to get to today. We're going to go through the Trump budget. We are also going to go through the left's bizarre views with regard to terrorism. But before we do any of that, first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Tracker. So, do you lose stuff a lot? I lose stuff a lot. As people in our office can tell you, I often lose equipment when I'm on the road. I wouldn't have if I'd put a tracker on that. So, at home, I put a tracker on my keys, I put a tracker on my wallet, I put a tracker on my phone, and by doing that, it makes sure that I never lose any of these things. My wife's phone always falls asleep or dies, and we never know where it is. That's why there's a tracker on the thing, so that we can find it. The way that it works is like a coin-sized device, and you put it right there on the keys, on the phone, on the wallet, and then you can use your phone or you can use your keys to hunt down your phone. You just hit the button, and boom, you suddenly get the noise, and it locates the, the phone, wallet, or keys for you. If the zombie apocalypse is here, and you don't know where you put the chainsaw, 
Well, you should have put a tracker on the chainsaw. You're never going to have to worry about losing things again thanks to Tracker.com. So you go to Tracker.com. It's T-R-A-C-K-R.com. Tracker.com. Enter that promo code Ben. Receive $29.99 off any purchase of two or more devices. That's the Tracker.com. The Tracker.com. Promo code Ben. And if you use that promo code Ben again, you get $29.99 off any purchase of two or more devices. And as I say, it saved my marriage because my wife and I lose stuff all the time. Also, if you try Tracker out with our 30-day money-back guarantee, you can find out what you've been missing. So if you don't like it, then you get your money back as well. So there's no risk to you. Again, Tracker.com. Use that promo code Ben so they know that we sent you as well. Okay, so there's been more fallout from this terrorist attack that happened in Manchester on, I guess it was Monday evening, uh, and the left continues to demonstrate why it is that nobody will trust them with national security. First off, it is important to note the background of the attacker here. It turns out the attacker may have had links directly to terrorist groups. Uh, They've now arrested, I guess, four people uh, who are involved in this terror cell. So the idea that this was another one of these lone wolves, you can never see it coming. This guy had had been on the radar of the police, always their red flags. This guy had been on the radar of the police for years. According to the BBC, a bunch of people had actually called him in uh, to the police because of his views and because he and his friends were expressing craziness a while ago, and the police just didn't see it coming, and now there are 22 people dead, including an 8-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl. It's just horrific all the way through. And uh, there are people in Britain who are concerned that there may be another terror attack. They went on critical alert yesterday, which means that they felt that another terror attack was imminent. Theresa May is the Prime Minister of Britain. She came out and she said that yesterday. It is now concluded, on the basis of today's investigations, that the threat level should be increased, for the time being, from severe to critical. This means that their assessment is not only that an attack remains highly likely, but that a further attack may be imminent. I mean, that's scary stuff, obviously. And the fact that all of these, the, the, the fact that all these people on the left don't understand in basic terms, why there is concern about the rise of Muslim immigration into unvetted Muslim immigration into states like Britain is just asinine. You know, when the, when the mayor of London, who's a um, Muslim guy, when he says that people just need to get used to terror attacks, look, the fact is that there are some terror attacks that are going to be non-preventable. There, are, there will be. There will be some terror attacks that are non-preventable in the same way that some school shootings are non-preventable. But It is also true that those terror attacks are not all terror attacks, and this one was clearly preventable. You had what looks very much like a terror cell operating in the center of Britain, and it is a fact that as your unvetted Muslim population goes up in a country, so does your rate of terror attack. This has been true in France, it's been true in Germany, it's been true in Sweden, it's been true in Britain. You know, pretending that the culture of the populations that you intake has nothing to do with the the activities of those populations is just silly all around. Now, naturally, the left has found its enemies, and its enemies are the right. So, you know, they, they know exactly who to blame. The, this Democratic senator, Chris Murphy, uh, who is uh, from Connecticut, I believe, uh, he came out yesterday and he said that the real problem here, obviously, is Donald Trump. I mean, if we're really going to worry about, the, about the, the possibility of terror attack, clearly President Trump is to blame for some odd reason that he can't explain. And so many of us are worried about some of the rhetoric of the Trump administration because we worry that that combined with robust online recruitment might end up in an attack like this happening in the United States. 
Okay, the idea that, that if Trump goes out there and says things that Muslims in the United States are going to join terror groups is just asinine. It's just really silly. The fact is the people who go out and commit acts of terror are people who are deeply ensconced in a religious worldview that does not care whether Obama is president or whether Trump is president. As we know, worldwide terror rose dramatically when President Obama was president. Is it because the terrorists liked Obama less than they liked Bush? Of course not. They hated George W. Bush. They thought George W. Bush was a cowboy. They thought that he was a crazy Texan cowboy, Christian guy. And supposedly Obama was going to smooth those, those details over. Remember? You remember how Obama went on his apology tour. He went to Cairo and talked about how the Western world was largely responsible for all of this evil. And the Muslim population, well, they, they couldn't be blamed if they were really radicalized because after all, the West had done all of these terrible things. And then he proceeded to allow radical Muslims to take over a bunch of countries. And lo and behold, the terror rates increase. So it really has very little to do with what America says. It has much more to do with how many terrorists we allow to live. But again, the left is living in this imagined world, this, this John Lennon imagined world where it's religion and, and borders that's really the problem. Everybody deep down wants the same thing. Absolute nonsense. Everybody deep down does not want the same thing. Some people have religious devotion to murder other people. Katy Perry is the latest example of this. So Katy Perry, this video is no longer available, apparently. Uh, apparently, she, she took it down. Um, but the, yesterday, there was a video of Katy Perry talking with some talk show host about the Manchester massacre, and here's what she had to say. I think that the greatest thing we can do is just unite and love on each other, and, like, no barriers, no borders. Like, it, it, we're, we all need to just coexist. <laughs> Okay, it's very hard to coexist with people who want to murder you. So some people were saying she was saying this about the fan base between Ariana Grande's fan base, because this happened at Ariana Grande concert and Katy Perry's fan base. Okay, first of all, if your chief concern in the aftermath of a terrorist attack is the, is the coming together of two pop star fan bases, I'm going to go with your slightly myopic. If she means that the entire world needs to have no borders, no barriers, uh, Katy Perry owns a $19 million house in Los Angeles with a giant barrier all around it. Why? Because she can't even trust the paparazzi not to come into her yard, let alone Islamic extremists. So the idea that, that we can all just get together and be friends, and if we're just kinder and gentler to one another, that if we just live our lives and be nice to one another, that this is going to fix things— it's actually sort of disrespectful to Islamic terrorists. And what I mean by that is they don't deserve respect, obviously, but it's implying that they're just a bunch of, of vacillating dweebs who will just switch away from Islamic terrorism the minute that we're nice to them. Like, if we had offered them free Ariana Grande tickets, then maybe they wouldn't have bombed the place. Okay, this is just silliness. Obviously, there is a mode of thought that suggests that the West is evil and needs to be destroyed. Mark Stein has a really good piece on this today over at Stein Online where he talks about the fact that you are seeing the, the West begin to crawl into its turtle shell in an attempt to avoid pissing off some of the worst people on Earth. So you remember when Charlie Hebdo was attacked. Right before Charlie Hebdo was attacked, there were a bunch of people in the West who said it was terrible that Charlie Hebdo was making fun of radical Muslims. Now, I disagreed with some of the material in Charlie Hebdo, but they have every right to do that, and it's good that, it, that publications like Charlie Hebdo exist, even though I, I really disagreed with it. You know, the same thing is true with Ariana Grande. We here on the program, we've deconstructed culture with Ariana Grande. I don't like a lot of the messages of her songs. I think that she's contributing to a pop culture that isn't very good, but... That said, I'm glad that people like Ariana Grande are allowed to perform however people like Ariana Grande want to perform. You know, if parents think that her, that her shtick 
is not appropriate for their kids, I'm in agreement. But that's not the same thing as, as what the Islamic radicals would do, which is create a society where Ariana Grande was not allowed to do any of these things, where they would restrict by governmental fiat all of this, where they would whip Ariana Grande, beat Ariana Grande, kill the people who listen to Ariana Grande. This idea that we can all coexist, that bumper sticker is the dumbest bumper sticker in the world. It's such a dumb bumper sticker because the fact is that only some of the people on that bumper sticker actually wish to coexist. Other people on that bumper sticker wish not to coexist. Okay, there's a Jewish star on the coexist bumper sticker and there's an Islamic crescent on the bumper sticker. Okay, there are 1.2 million Muslims living inside Israel. There are Muslim MKs living inside Israel, members of Knesset living inside Israel. There's a Muslim Supreme Court judge inside Israel, I think two of them now. You know, the fact is that there are zero Jews living in Saudi Arabia and they barred Israeli Jewish journalists from even coming into the country. Is that coexistence? Now, the idea that the Judeo-Christian society is in just a, a question of coexistence with the Islamic radicals is, is absolutely asinine. And it's also asinine to pretend that there are very few of these people because the fact is there may be very few people who are willing to commit terror. There are a hell of a lot of people who are willing to cheer them on, and that's a very frightening prospect with which we ought to that, that we ought to take certainly very seriously. It's it's such a it's it's such foolishness, and, and again, this is why people don't trust. Hillary. Remember, Katy Perry, you know, was the person who was stumping for Hillary Clinton. Katy Perry was an acolyte of Hillary Clinton's. Katy Perry was somebody who was out there pushing for Hillary Clinton for president of the United States, wearing the Obama dress, wearing the Hillary Clinton dress. She is considered a respected voice in the left-wing movement. That voice, that's not somebody you're going to trust with, with national security. And that's why, really, that's why, you know, you saw that uh, Rasmussen's reporting that Trump's approval ratings have bumped back up to 40, 48%. Now, Rasmussen's usually a little bit of an outlier in terms of approval ratings, but Trump's approval ratings have increased. That's for a couple of reasons. One, he went on this foreign trip and he's not making any big boo-boos. He really isn't. You know, we can make fun of the sword dance and the touching of the glowing orb in Saudi Arabia and all of this, but Trump really has avoided a lot of big boo-boos, which is good for him. Also, there was a massive terror attack, and when there's a massive terror attack, people want somebody in charge who wants to kill the people who want to perpetrate the terror attack. It's that simple. Trump's approval rating has bumped because people are not focused on the Trump-Russia stuff. They're focused on the terror attack, and they're focused on the fact that he's out of the country, and Trump isn't using Twitter to distract them. You know, this, I think, proves the case that we have been making here on the Ben Shapiro Show for a long time, which is Trump could be successful if he could control himself, stop with the Twitter craziness, and just pursue policy. You know, I hope that this foreign trip is actually a wake-up call to President Trump, that if he does more of this, then he'll be just fine. So, again, the world is what the world is, and for all of the foibles that President Trump has, has pursued, when President Trump says he wants to kill as many terrorists as possible and treat them as the evil losers that they are, I think most people resonate to that. Now, I do want to talk about the, the Democratic narrative regarding Trump-Russia collusion totally falling apart, but before I do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Blinkist. So... I love Blinkist. Okay, this is a new app that you download to your phone, and it is just fantastic. What is it? Well, Blinkist helps you read all of these books without actually having to read all of the books. You look at what they call blinks. You have all of this stuff to do. You have 15 minutes in the car, and you don't really want to listen to 500 pages of a, of a novel. You don't want to listen to 500 pages of a business book. You actually just want to get the main points. That's what Blinkist does. It boils down all of these large books to smaller points so that you can digest them. The Blinkist app has over 2,000 of the best-selling nonfiction books transformed into packs that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. What's fantastic about that is that I've read a lot of the books on these, on these lists, but it's 500 pages, and all you come up with after reading 500 pages 
is the basic points anyway. So you may as well just read the Blinkist or you may listen to the Blinkist in your car and then you get all of the main points anyway. I mean, they, they have the book on there, by the way, Why Nations Fail, right? Terrific book about national development and why nations collapse. Well, Why Nations Fail is not only a terrific book, it's also on Blinkist. So that means that you don't have to wade through those 500 pages. What I remember about Why Nations Fail could probably be boiled down into 15 minutes. And so instead of having to read the whole book and then try to remember the 15 minutes worth of content that you remember, you just go to Blinkist and they'll give you the 15 minutes of content that are the most important. If you're just reading these books, if you're lucky, maybe you'll get through one book a week. But with the Blinkist app, you can get through two or three books on your way home. You just learn and learn and learn. If you're addicted to information the way I am, Blinkist is the place for you. They have a special offer just for our audience. If you go to Blinkist.com slash Ben right now, if you go to Blinkist.com slash Ben, then you will get your free trial. You get three months off your yearly plan if you join today. So you get a free trial so you can try it out. Or if you join, you get a three free months off your yearly plan. It's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Ben to start that free trial. Blinkist.com slash Ben. Again, they take all of these books and they boil them down into power packs that you can digest on your ride home. Terrific app. Again, use that slash Ben to let them know that we sent you as well. Okay, so... While Trump is abroad, this has been a a much better week for President Trump. The last three weeks in a row were F's for President Trump. This one has been much closer to an A for President Trump. Uh, And part of that is because the Democrats are still struggling to come up with this Trump collusion narrative that works. And they're having a tough time with it. So John Brennan, who's the former CIA director under President Obama, he was the CIA director all the way up to January 20th. And he has called to the Hill to testify in front of the House Intelligence Committee about the leaks and about the Trump-Russia investigation. And he says a lot of things that the Democrats are going to have a real tough time putting him back in the box. So the first thing that he says is that Trump is not crazy to worry about the leaks inside his administration. So Democrats have been saying that Trump is just using the leaks as a way to distract from all of the real issues with his candidacy and with his, and with his, and with his administration. It's just not true. John Brennan says the leaks have to be stopped. And remember, this is an Obama guy. And those two protocols are, one is that such intelligence, classified intelligence, is not shared with visiting foreign ministers or local ambassadors. It's shared through intelligence channels because it needs to be handled the right way, and it needs to make sure that it is not exposed. He didn't do that, if, again, if the press charges are accurate. Secondly, um, before sharing any classified intelligence with foreign partners, it needs to go back to the originating agency to make sure that the language in it is not even just providing the substance going to reveal sources and methods and compromise the future collection capability. What I would be very concerned about, though, is the subsequent releases of class, what appears to be classified information purporting to point to the originator of the information, liaison partners. These continue to be very, very damaging leaks, and I find them appalling, and they need to be tracked down. Okay, so there is, there's, there is Brennan basically saying what Democrats have been denying for a while, which is that these leaks are bad. Okay, it's not good that the leaks are coming out. He, he rips Trump for spilling classified information, but that's Trump's prerogative. Obviously, I don't think he should have done it. I think that he's loose lips and ships, but by the same token, Trump is the president of the United States. That's not a crime. It is a crime to leak all of this intelligence to the papers because, remember, we didn't learn directly from Trump as the general public. We didn't learn that it was an Israeli source in ISIS from the general from Trump himself. We learned that from leaks of the conversation to the general public. That's sort of a problem. Brennan went even further. He was asked about contacts between the Trump campaign and Russia, and he said straight out, no, I don't really have evidence of collusion. There may be contacts, but no evidence of collusion. I encountered and am aware of information and intelligence 
that um, revealed contacts and interactions between Russian officials and U.S. persons involved in the uh, Trump campaign that um, I was concerned about because of known Russian efforts to suborn the, such individuals. And it uh, raised questions in my mind, again, whether or not the Russians were able to gain the cooperation of those individuals. I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. But I know that there was a sufficient basis of information and intelligence that required further uh, investigation by the Bureau to determine whether or not U.S. persons were actively conspiring, colluding with Russian officials. So buried in that statement is he doesn't know. Right? He doesn't know that there was collusion. He says there are connections between the Trump campaign and Russia. We already know that. We know Manafort was connected with Russia. We know Flynn was connected with Russia. But we're not learning anything new here from Brennan. All we're hearing is, I was suspicious, but we never really uncovered anything. And then Brennan is asked, was there pressure from Trump at any point to end the investigation? And he says, I'm not aware of any pressure to end any investigation from President Trump. Uh, have any members of the IC shared with you uh, their concerns that the president was attempting to and list the help of people within the intelligence community to drop the Flynn investigation? No, sir. Um, are you aware of any uh, efforts the president has made to enlist the support of inter, uh, intelligence community personnel to push back on uh, a narrative involving the collusion issue that Mr. Rooney was asking about? I am unaware of it. Okay, again, he keeps saying all of these narratives that the left has been pushing, there's no evidence for them. So he says, is there any evidence of, of, of Trump pressuring? And this is what Schiff says. And Brennan says, I haven't heard anything about that. So you have the New York Times report last week that comes out and says that all of these people were pressured. And no one yet has actually come out and said that they were pressured. There's yet to be anybody who's come out formally and said they were pressured. We've had anonymous sourcing. But Comey's going to testify. He's going to have to answer a very simple question that is, that's going to remain on the table here. And that is, why didn't you quit? If you feel like you were so pressured, why didn't you just quit? Okay, as somebody who felt pressured at, the, at, at an organization called Breitbart News, you know, with regard to, to the, the, the love for President Trump, I quit. When I thought they were doing something illegitimate, I quit. If Comey thought something illegitimate was happening, he too should have quit. So, you know, John Brennan is basically exploding left narratives. He's, he's burying the, the lead, right? I mean, he's, he's burying all of the language about how there's no collusion in lots of language about how there's suspicious smoke. But bottom line, no collusion, no evidence of, of tampering, no evidence of, of any of this stuff. And yet the left continues to go completely nuts over it. Well, we'll talk more about that. I also want to talk about the, the budget and President Trump's budget. But before we do, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and become a subscriber. So dailywire.com, $8 a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. You can be part of the mailbag tomorrow. Watch the rest of the show live. Be part of Andrew Clavin's mailbag. Get all of your questions answered. You can be part of his show live as well. And if you get an annual subscription right now, then you get a free signed copy of a new book coming out by me and my dad called Say It So. It's all about the 2005 Chicago White Sox baseball championship season, and it's really more about father-son relationships. It's sort of a diary that we kept all the way through the 2005 season. It's kind of a rough year for both of us, and, and it's, it's, I, I think it's actually a pretty moving book about fathers and sons in baseball, uh, and, uh, and you, should, you should check it out over at dailywire.com. When you become an annual subscriber, I will sign the book for you. We'll send it directly to your home. It makes a great Father's Day gift, by the way. So if you're going to give a gift subscription, now is the time. Your dad will definitely appreciate it. Uh, Mark Levin endorses the book. He says it's great. 
Dana Perino says it's great. Jerry Krasnick from, from ESPN.com says it's terrific. So uh, I think it's a really good sports book and a really good par- parenting book and a good relationships book. So uh, you can check it out. Say it so when you get that annual subscription. Or if you just want to listen a little bit later, then go over to iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can listen there. We are the largest conservative podcast in the United States. So, President Trump, in other news, President Trump, uh, his administration has now released his budget plans. And there's some good, and there's some bad, and there's some ugly. So, first thing to be noted, this budget is basically dead on arrival. It's going nowhere. Just like Obama's proposed budgets, it's dead on arrival. The reason people take these things seriously is because they want to see what the priorities of the administration are. And I think that this budget does lay out some of the priorities of the administration for good and ill. Number one, the Democrats are saying that this budget is killing people. Hillary Clinton came out and she said that it's just cruel. It's cruel. Okay, it wouldn't have mattered if President Trump had given her everything she wanted. She was going to say that it's cruel, which underscores a broader point. Okay, and this is a point that, that I think is necessary to be made. Right now, there's this, this kind of lie on the right that attacking... President Trump is not going to is not going to win Democrats any elections. I think that that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's no evidence to back that. Bottom line is, since 2006, bashing the president wins you big points in Congress. In 2004, if you recall, Democrats were in serious trouble. I wrote about this at National Review today. And thanks in part to 9/11, if you recall, Republicans had made gains in 2002 in the House and Senate, and then Bush retained the presidency in 2004, and Republicans picked up more seats in the House and Senate. And now Republicans had 55 seats in the Senate and 232 seats in the House, a majority of 30 seats. All the Democrats had was Nancy Pelosi's whining, and that was enough. She just whined about George W. Bush. They whined and whined and whined and whined. In December 2005, the Democrats didn't even didn't even have a concerted position on the war in Iraq. Pelosi admitted this. She said, there is no one Democratic voice. There is no one Democratic position. They didn't need it. All they did was bash Bush. And then when Hurricane Katrina hit, then President Bush's approval ratings dropped into the toilet. The generic congressional ballot gap exploded from D plus five to double digits. And Democrats picked up the House. Okay, in 2008, Republicans got hammered again. Barack Obama campaigned incessantly against Bush. This time, Democrats picked up 21 seats in the House, and they ended up with a huge majority of 257 House seats. So now the Republicans were in trouble, okay? Because the Democrats had 57 seats in the Senate. They had 257 seats in the House. And then Republicans started attacking Obama. They campaigned against Obama's stimulus package. They campaigned against Obamacare. And once Obamacare passed, the the, the generic congressional ballot shifted from D-plus to R-plus. Republicans never looked back. Republicans picked up 63 seats and took the House majority in a stunning upset. Then they continued attacking Obama, and in 2004, they picked up more. They picked up the Senate in 2014. So this idea, that's all without any really significant—I mean, 2010 was not a significant slip-up year. There was no Hurricane Katrina to finish Obama. People just didn't like Obamacare. But the Republicans who ran against him, they didn't even hate Obamacare because now they won't even replace Obamacare. So it really is about running against Trump— that's why it's important that Trump do a good job, and that's why you know it matters what he proposes in these budgets. Democrats know that they're going to make most of their big gains right now by essentially ripping on President Trump, and they're never going to stop doing it. So that's what Nancy Pelosi was doing yesterday over this budget. Here is uh, the the old the old bitty. Well, let me, may I just say this uh, with all the respect in the world for the fact that some Republicans are saying this is dead on rough. This is like that they voted for the Ryan budget. The Ryan budget contains many of these same things. In fact, the Ryan budget also voucherizes Medicare. Voucher, Medicare is a guarantee. The Ryan budget says it's no longer a guarantee. We're going to give you a voucher. 
it subscribes to their philosophy that Medicare should wither on the vine. So when we're talking about Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, this is a killer for the American people, a literally a killer. Literally, people are going to die. We're all going to die. Nancy Pelosi, her dentures are going to slide off and float into the bay. I mean, just, okay. So Democrats always say this stuff. They have an interest in saying this stuff. With that said, the budget is, um, there's some good stuff and there is some bad stuff. First of all, anytime anybody spends any money, the left loses its mind. I mean, anytime they cut any spending, the left loses its mind. Anytime the, the right says something has to be cut, the left acts as though the entire world is going to spiral off its access and into the, the vast oblivion of outer space. Mick Mulvaney is the director of Office of Management and Budget, and he was asked about the budget cuts, and Mulvaney is exactly right. And <laughs> You can see how this reporter really doesn't have an answer for him. Do you characterize the treatment of climate science programs and the cuts to those, and do you, do you describe those as a taxpayer waste? Um, you, you tell me. Um, I think the National Science Foundation last year used your taxpayer money to fund a climate change musical. Do you think that's a waste of your money? What about climate science? I'll take that as a yes, by the way. Um, so you see my point. Um, I, I, what, I think, what I think you saw happen during the previous administration is the pendulum went too far to one, to one side where we're spending too much of your money on climate change um, and not very efficiently. We don't get rid of it here. Do we target it? Sure. Do a lot of the EPA uh, reductions aimed at reducing the focus on climate science? Yes. Does it mean that we uh, are anti-science? Absolutely not. We're simply trying to get things back in order to where we can look at the folks who pay the taxes and say, look, yeah, we want to do some climate science, but we're not going to do some of the crazy stuff the previous administration um, did. And I will note for the record that you didn't say anything about my, 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 uh, about the, uh, the musical. Okay, that's, that's really good stuff from Mulvaney. Actually, what I would hope is that President Trump comes back and he makes that same point. I'd like to see President Trump do a speech in which he lays out all of the waste and the fraud that he's attempting to cut. Now, with all of that said, there's some good stuff in here and there's some bad stuff in here. Here is the truth. Most of the bad stuff that's being cut is not enough to actually, to actually put the budget back in order. The real amounts that are spent on the budget are all spent in Social Security and Medicare. Social Security and Medicare together constitute about half of the federal budget every year, and those are growing. Uh, they're already basically insolvent. They will continue to grow more insolvent as the population grows older. And the tax cuts that are going to be implemented, there's a lot of talk uh, in Republican circles about the Laffer curve, the idea that you're actually going to get increased tax revenue from a bigger pie once you cut taxes. That's true in the long run. It's not true in the short run. So when you first cut taxes for the first few years, it does blow out the deficit. There's no question about it. It happened during Reagan. It happened during Bush. Now, Republicans are right that in the long run, what you see is that government revenues go up. What I mean is government stealing your money. Government has more of your money. That goes up because the pie is getting bigger over time. But the initial, the initial years are going to be lean years in terms of what the government can take from you. That'd be fine with me if we were also willing to cut the government. But we on the right, we do this routine where we act like we can continue spending. You can have your cake and eat it too. We can continue spending and we'll lower taxes and it'll pay for itself. Generally, that math has not worked out too well, at least in the midterm. In the long term, it works out okay. But in the midterm, it doesn't. Right now, we have a short-term problem. Okay, The debt is a short-term problem. It is no longer a long-term problem. $20 trillion in debt is not a long-term problem. It is a now problem. The, the insolvency of the federal budget is not a long-term problem. It's not something we can solve in 15 years with a growing economy. It's something you have to solve right now. And the Trump administration basically attempts to fudge the math on this thing. What they're attempting to do in their budget is, yes, they cut some, 
but they also have this big tax cut, which is supposed to spur economic growth. That's totally fine, but the cuts don't even add up to the to the tax cut, which, again, I think that the cuts should. I don't, I'm, I'm not arguing against the tax cuts. I'm arguing against the spending. I'm saying we should cut taxes and we should cut spending, and we should cut spending in a way that matters, and that means reforming entitlements. I know Trump doesn't want to touch that. I know that Trump thinks that he's going to lose all the old people who vote for him if he cuts Social Security or if he even talks about restructuring it in a way that doesn't damage seniors. I know that he's frightened of touching Medicare. But the fact is this, unless someone has the political courage to touch this stuff, this is a time bomb waiting to go off, and it's already starting to go off right now fiscally. The Wall Street Journal points this out today. They're right. See, Mr. Trump is imitating Democrats in ducking Social Security and Medicare, which means that everything else the government does has to, uh, does has to fight for what's left. Those two programs, plus interest in, on, on the debt, remove about $1.9 trillion from political debate in the $4.1 trillion spending outline for 2018. Mr. Trump wants to increase defense spending more than $600 billion, so that's $1.6 trillion left for everything from education to veterans to Medicaid to Amtrak. So one of the ways that he's getting around this is by supposed additional cuts to Medicaid that are not going to materialize, uh, and also through economic growth. He says that what's going to do this is that the economy will start to boom immediately. We'll have 3% economic growth every year as far as the eye can see. And Mulvaney, Mick Mulvaney came out and he said, no, 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 it'll be closer to 4 We'll actually have 4% economic growth as far as the eye can see. Okay, let's be straight about this for just a second. The last time we had two years in a row with above 3% GDP growth was 2004-2005. It has been over a decade since we have had this. Okay, and it has been two decades since we've had four consecutive years over 4%. Okay, that was from 1997 to 2000. We had this big boom that, that materialized because of, no shock, fiscal responsibility. It turns out that when you cut spending and cut taxes, then you end up with a situation where businesses are confident they can do business without too much regulation. That's what happened from 96 to 2000. But instead, Republicans seem to be pursuing the, the kind of the the thinking that says we can continue to spend on all this crap and we'll just cut kind of around the edges and then we'll and then we'll blow out the economy and that'll fix everything again that's that's fake math it's faulty math they're also engaging to we just have to be honest here in our analysis they're also engaging in double counting the benefits from the tax cut so they're saying that the tax cut is going to create 2.1 trillion dollars in more government income from higher taxes uh, over the next over the next 10 years. So basically we'll cut taxes, that'll grow the economy, and then the lower tax rates will be as part of a bigger economy. And so the amount of, of tax revenue brought in by the by, brought in by the government will increase by $2.1 trillion. That's ignoring the amount that's going to be lost in the first few years because the government is not able to tax you at those high rates. It's relying on wishful thinking to balance the budget. It cuts discretionary spending on entitlements, which is good. It proposes a restructuring of Medicaid and Obamacare, makes Medicaid into block grants, suggests $616 billion will be saved via competition and health care spending. Not sure how that's going to happen. It adds work requirements on some of the entitlement programs at the state level. That's good stuff. It does cut some useless programs like Head Start, National Endowment for the Arts, Student Loan Programs, Corporation for Public Broadcasting. All of that is good. But it also cuts some useful programs. So it cuts some of the spending on, on the State Department that, for example, goes toward the, the, the embassies, keeping the embassies safe, security at the embassies. I want to talk a little bit more about the budget in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at FrameBridge. So I have lots of photos sitting in a box at home, and none of them are in frames. 
That's why I have started to use FrameBridge. You go to FrameBridge.com and you choose your frame or you let their designers help you choose your frame. You can upload your photo from your computer or directly from Instagram. You can preview your photo online in a frame that you choose to see what it looks like. If you can't upload your photo art, you can mail it to them directly and then they will frame it for you. Instead of spending hundreds of bucks at some sort of frame store, their prices start at 39 bucks. All shipping is free. And my listeners get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use that promo code Shapiro. They have a frame for every style. They've got the eclectic styles. They've got clean and classic. Their selection is fantastic. They help you out also so you can work with them. They can, they can work with their designers. They will custom frame your item in days. It's all custom framing, not weeks or months, and then they, they guarantee that they will send it directly to your door, and they have a happiness guarantee. So that means that their team gives each item personal care and attention because all they care about is meeting your expectation. So get started framing those photos, framing that art, framing those posters. Go to framebridge.com. Use that promo code Shapiro. You'll save an additional 15% off your first order. Go to framebridge.com, promo code Shapiro. Again, 15% off that first order. If you've ever been to a frame store and you're talking about not getting one of those cheap frames that you get from Aaron Brothers for five bucks, you actually want a nice frame for something and you want it at a good price, you need a custom framing job, framebridge.com is the place to do it. Use that promo code Shapiro so that they know that we sent you. Okay, other notes on the budget before we get to stuff I like and stuff I hate. So there are some useful programs that it cuts, including it cuts at 30% of the budget of the State Department. Pretty deep cut, and that apparently is going to affect security as well. Lindsey Graham, who is pretty awful on, on immigration, uh, but is pretty good on national security in some ways. Uh, he says that that's not safe for the State Department. Well, uh, yes, yeah, definitely dead on arrival. This budget, if fully implemented, would require us to retreat from the world diplomatically or put people at risk. You have a lot of Benghazis in the making of this thing became law. Okay, scary language there. Um, but it is worth noting that this budget does not even fulfill the military mandate that Trump laid out, that he was going to build a 350-ship Navy. Hugh Hewitt, who is a, a Trump supporter for sure, he is very upset about this, and he should be. Apparently, the only ships in the 2018 proposed budget are a $1.8 billion Aegis destroyer, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and a $550 million literal combat ship. Uh, the, the budget includes no new programs or initiatives, although it increases defense spending by 10%. But... That 10% increase represents really about a 3% increase over Obama's budget projection for the coming year. So Obama was going to raise the budget on the military anyway. Trump's increasing that by about 3%. That's really not a huge amount. It also includes some really stupid spending, $25 billion for the next 10 years for a mandatory paid leave program. So that is Ivanka whispering in daddy's ear. It also includes a slated $200 billion to spur that $1 trillion investment in infrastructure. That's not going to pass. And it actually underfunds the wall, shockingly. So even Trump's own budget underfunds the wall. It doesn't include the $2.6 billion originally slated by the Trump administration as its goal. Even the OMB says Trump didn't get all the money he wanted for the wall if you add up the 27-2018 request. So what is this really? What it really is, is it's taking sort of the Ryan budget, ignoring the entitlement reform, grabbing everything else, and not spending enough on defense. That's pretty much what this is. So it slices in some of the wrong. It slices in some of the right places. It grows in some of the wrong places, and it doesn't slice in some of the places that need the deepest slicing and some of the places that need the deepest reform. That's kind of indicative that this is going to be a status quo administration to a certain extent. I don't think you're going to see any transformative change from this administration regarding the things that actually cost us money. Uh, and the idea that he's going to build up the military big and strong uh, again, he's going to build it stronger than Obama would have, but. He's not talking about the kind of spending that's necessary to really get the resources that we need to the military. Okay, time for some things I like, some things I hate, and then we'll do a little Bible talk. So, things I like. We've been doing 
things that have to do with the devil this week here on the Ben Shapiro Show. So we started off this week talking about the screw tape letters. Yesterday, we talked about the devil and Daniel Webster. Today, I want to do a little bit of music. We don't do music very often, but there is uh, an opera by Gounod uh, called Faust, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about Goethe's Faust tomorrow if we uh, have the patience and the sophistication to do so. Um, but this is an opera um, based on, on, on Faust by Gounod, uh, and uh, there is a, a rewriting of some of the music into sort of a violin solo piece by uh, Wienowski, who is a very famous violin composer. Here's a little bit of that. This is the part uh, that, in which the devil arrives. this music and uh, it's, it's, it's terrific music well, one of the things that I love about this music uh, is that pretty often in, uh, in pretty often in music you know what I have to decide you know I'm going to do more music tomorrow that has to do with the devil because I think that there's, a, there's great music that has to do with the devil but th- this most of the music that has to do with the devil breaks down into two groups one is the very serious the devil is coming for your soul music and the other is the devil as merry prankster and the the sort of take on the devil as merry prankster is always is always an interesting one because the truth is that that's how the devil gets people you know, if the devil were really this kind of gloomy guy you know even in christian liturgy if the devil were really this gloomy guy with no sense of humor who was really just attempting to grab your soul and then he wouldn't be very attractive i mean the whole point of of the devil, at least as he manifests in the real world in Christian theology, or even the Yetzer Hara, which is sort of the, the evil instinct uh, that exists in the human mind, the evil instinct is a lot of fun. And in order for you to forego the fun requires an act of will. That's one of the reasons that I love this kind of music, because it's, it, it, it realizes that there is a part of the human being that resonates to the primal instinct and the primal urge to move toward the dark side of the force. You know, it's it's really, in Star Wars, the way that they portray the dark side of the force is the dark side of the force is the emperor, right? He's decrepit and he's terrible. The truth is that the dark side of the force is really, everybody should stop being so gloomy about the dark side of the force, they'd win more acolytes. You know, if they just had the cool powers and they got pissed every so often, they'd be much better off. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So... The media has been going nuts over this video of Melania Trump refusing to touch President Trump's hand, apparently. There are two separate times now that Melania has refused to Trump his hand. Here's to touch her husband's hand. Here is here's time number one. She's on the tarmac in Israel. Here's what that looked like. Okay, so people... <laughs> People on the right were, first of all, attempting to play that as though she um, was, you know, kind of giving him a fist bump, I think is what Rush Limbaugh said. No, it's not a fist bump. That's, dude, that, that's, dude, I really don't want to hold your hand. Okay, as a married guy, I'm not sure I can remember a time where I reached out for my wife's hand and she sort of slapped it away like that. And then, if that weren't enough, she was getting off the, the plane uh, in Italy, and, uh, and this happened. It was yesterday. Ha <laughs> ha! 
<laughs> so again, she's already got stiffed by Trump. Okay, so the media is going nuts. Oh my God, they're going to get divorced. Oh my God, it's just so terrible. Okay, I'm going to recommend that the media take the same perspective on Trump that they took with regard to Barack Obama. Stay out of his marriage. Okay, unless you have any evidence something bad is going on, just stay out because it's not worthwhile. Okay, quick Bible note. So this week's Torah portion, the portion the Jews read, is the very beginning of the book of Numbers. At the very beginning of the book of Numbers, chapter 2, verse 34, it says, The Israelites did all that the Lord had commanded Moses. They encamped by their divisions, they did, and so did they journey, each man with his family according to his father's house. The question is, after God gives the Torah, after God gives the Bible, why is it that he doesn't just get rid of the tribes? Why are the tribes still necessary? And that's because God realizes that we are a tribal people. He realizes that all human beings are tribal. We value family, we value tribe. The key is, can you have an overarching goal that is more important than that of the tribe, or are you going to be reduced into tribalism? So God's willing to acknowledge that he made you a certain way, but he's not willing to acknowledge that your tribe trumps your allegiance to the movement of the people as a whole. They travel in tribes, but they all travel together. That's what we should be doing here in the United States. Okay, so tonight I speak at Northwestern. I think it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 